The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, regular Dunked On listeners. Going to give you a free preview of Dunked On Prime here, this conversation with Mike Schmitz. We'll talk about Anthony Edwards, the new ESPN mock draft that has him going number one overall to the Wolves. The rest of my conversation with Mike, in which we talk about LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, Onyeka Okongwu, Obi Toppin. He gives us a fill-in on Patrick Williams we haven't talked much about yet on the show. That's available exclusively for Dunked On Prime subscribers. I highly encourage you to sign up for that. Dunked on.supportingcast.fm is the link also it is in the show notes as well so enjoy this conversation with mike and check out the rest of it on dunked on prime all right we are privileged once again to have espn's mike schmitz joining us he's been a fixture of our draft coverage uh, from the beginning of dunked on it has been great for the growth of the show and mike we talked yesterday and we were actually originally supposed to record yesterday and he said hey you might want to wait we got a new mock draft (laughs) coming out and it was worth the wait because y'all now have anthony edwards as the projected number one pick to the wolves although of course you noted that that is still in flux yes yes he is the the new name that kind of you know we're hearing um i don't think anything is is set in stone but just the more you talk to you know, NBA scouts, executives, GMs, agents, it seems like if the draft were today, he would be the front runner. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is just kind of a, a fit deal more than anything. Um, you know, I, I, you hear very differing opinions uh, about who's the best prospect in the draft. The more you canvass the league, some people think it's Ball, some people think it's Wiseman, some people think it's Edwards. And so I think teams are kind of looking at this as more of like a, a fit needs based draft than you normally would at the top. And, you know, you can make an argument for Edwards there just in terms of fitting next to D'Angelo Russell and, and Carl Towns. I will admit that in previous iterations, you've had LaMelo Ball going number one to the Wolves, again, with the caveat that this pick has been heavily involved in trade talks. But it always seemed to me that D'Angelo Russell has been such a sacred cow for them. First, they desperately wanted him in free agency. Then they paid a lot to get him at the trade deadline. He's Carl Anthony Towns' best friend. He wants a, a team to run. And so it just seemed like with LaMelo Ball not being at least in some people's minds, in my mind he is, but not being the no-brainer number one pick in this draft, that they wouldn't want to draft someone who could potentially interfere with Russell. They want to see what Russell and Towns can do together. So this does make sense to me because, as you mentioned, Edwards is the positional fit. If he's playing next to a point guard, he can just concentrate on shot creation, which is what he does best. Uh, It does make sense to me, even if it's not something I would necessarily agree with. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat there. And again, I, I would take ball and, and kind of figure it out. 
Um, you know, I think the way we've seen the NBA trend, it's it's multiple ball handlers, guys who can play on it, off it. Lamelo still has to get better there, but um, you know, I think there's been maybe a little bit too much criticism of Edwards at times. I mean the dude is a, is a freak athlete who can really score the ball. And so um, I think that's going to, like you said, give him an opportunity to come in, focus on just scoring. You know, their two stars are obviously like skill-based cerebral guys. So I think having somebody that physical, that explosive gives them a different dynamic. Yeah. That said, and we'll talk more about Edwards in a second, but that said to me, I think ball can be a lot better than D'Angelo Russell. And mm-hmm. also I don't, I don't think it's like impossible that they could play together either. I mean, they're as of now, you know, we'll see if they draft Edwards, but like they're planning starting either Edwards or uh, Malik Beasley at the two. And, you know, neither of those guys are defensive stalwarts anyway. You know, I, I think if you're concerned about the defense with LaMelo and with D'Angelo Russell, you know, that's they're not on a path to necessarily be that much better there anyway. And so, as you mentioned, multiple ball handlers, ball could back up uh, D'Angelo Russell. So I, and I think ball could eventually be better than Russell, but it's like they, they have so many eggs in the Russell basket. It's like, they can't even acknowledge that possibility as an organization. right now. Yeah. And I think that's how you get yourself in trouble a little bit, to be honest. Um, you know, I like, I wouldn't make, this is no offense to D'Angelo Russell. He's a good player, but I wouldn't make uh, number one selection based on D'Angelo Russell. You know, I, I think that's, and when we, I'm talking about fit base and all that, like, I think that's when you get yourself in trouble. I, I've always been kind of of the school of thought, you know, you take the the best player available. You take who you think is the best talent, who has the highest ceiling and fits your organizational culture and all that. Um, and, I mean, we saw it a little bit with Luca, right? Uh, there were teams at, at the top who were, you know, worried about his fit with certain prospects, certain players on their team, and I'm sure they'd be dying to have him on their roster right now. So, yeah. So Edwards, you've uh, been higher on him, I think, than some of your draft compatriots. So could you explain a little bit more of why that is? Yeah, I mean, here's the deal with Edwards. Okay, when, when I hear. Dion Waiters, or, or when I hear some of those names, I get a little bit defensive just because Dion Waiters averaged six points a game as a freshman at Syracuse. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you can't be a bum if you – I don't care if they're they're not winning. You can't be a bum and come in and average 19 points a game in the SEC. You can't be a bum and go for 37 points against one of the best teams in the country in Maui, 33 in the second half. Like, I was sitting there courtside just like, oh, my God. I mean, my, my job dropped because it, it wasn't just, you know, bullying to the rim or garbage time buckets. It was like 30 foot step backs. He was like fitting like two handed bounce passes through these tight windows in, in transition. He was making <laughs> plays defensively. Time. I was just like, this is a joke. I mean, at that time I, I thought, okay, this kid's going to be the number one if he continue keeps this up. Um, so I, I think he's just so much more talented than some of the, the guys we comp him to. Um, you know, I, I understand the Wiggins take a little bit just because they're guys who leave you wanting more. He can be a little bit sleepy at times. Wiggins is all world talent, obviously, but Edwards to me has a lot more game. Like Edward, he has more with the ball. Um, he's more physical to the rim. He has more personality to him as well. Like he's not as much of a flatliner. Um, and so all those things I take into account. And then I also take into account his path. You know, like this is a kid who 
reclassed later in his high school career um, who hadn't really been coached at a high level prior to Georgia. He was playing football growing up. I mean, he's still 19 years old. He's one of the youngest players in this entire draft. So I think he's like very much just scratching the surface. And, and to me, the fact that he was even able to put up those numbers while leaving much to be desired speaks to what he can become. Yeah. Well, this doesn't entirely obviate your point, but when you're allowed to take some of the shots that he took, it may be a little easier to put up. Yeah, no doubt. Game. But, no but doubt. he is able to get to those shots uh, as well, obviously, which is is part of it. So let me ask you this. Uh, if, let's say, Edwards works out uh, mm-hmm. and you know becomes worthy of the number one pick, it hits one of his higher-end outcomes, what does that player look like in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, you hear Donovan Mitchell or, or Victor Oladipo, um, you know, guys in, in that ilk to where yeah. you're not He's really bigger a, than those guys, though. And I, I'll i get into this, but I went back and watched those guys in, in their last year in college, and the talent discrepancy is very noticeable. Um, but, but, I mean, yeah. this kid's talent is head and shoulders better than theirs at the same stage. But the difference here is those guys were like scratch and claw guys like Victor Oladipo was enough in recruit who had to win defensive player of the year in his conference and fight 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 to become what he is in the NBA and having that defensive identity bought him the time to refine his skill and become the offensive player that he is Donovan Mitchell very similar Donovan Mitchell was like an energy defender in high school he was this fly around um, you know skill level was not very polished but worker great kid super energetic and and you knew that if he had time and was in the right situation that he could become something and clearly he's been better than anyone thought in utah and so that's where i see the path as as very different and that's where you know maybe you'll hear the wiggins comp as this super super talented dude who leaves you a little bit much to be desired but i could see him playing uh, a mitchell type role where it's like you're next to a more cerebral point guard um who like a conley or, or whoever who gets you into your stuff and then when it's late clock and you need a bucket um he, he can go get you one now uh i've used harden at times before kind of like obviously he's not james harden obviously he's not that genius of a passer um but i say that because i haven't really seen a guy like 230 pounds with that type of shift um, and, and that's why he reminds me of James a little bit in some ways. Now, not that type of passer, like I said, wasn't as much of a winner yeah. in, in college. Um, but it, it's some type of glimpses of Harden combined with the way that Mitchell is used, combined with you know how Andrew Wiggins lets you down uh, here and there, <laughs> I guess is kind of how yeah. I would put it. But my thought actually was kind of a three-point shooting DeMar DeRozan which Mm. you know and again I think of that as kind of the higher end outcome because that's a pretty damn good player actually I mean as much as people want to crap on DeRozan you know for being the ninth overall pick and I think like 2009 he's had a a wonderful career um but that kind of athletic guy uses his body to get to shots um you know has to develop his feel and his passing as time goes on but kind of also just really a scorer and that's it Uh, you know that's that's what, at least what my thought would be. And now, you know, maybe he can develop his passing a little bit more as DeRozan did. And, you know, defensively, I think he has better lateral movement in theory, but with the effort level, you know, I don't want to count on that defensively. So that's that's kind of what I see. Um, but uh, DeMar DeRozan, who shoots threes, that's a, a pretty good player <laughs> if it all works out. But, I mean, all three of these guys at the top have just insane variability, I think, in their outcome. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And like you said, I think that if you have DeMar DeRozan making threes, that's a, a really, really good player. Um, but I'm just interested to see he's, you know, Ant- Ant-Man is going to be a really good case study as to how much you can improve some of these things that we oftentimes say are difficult to improve, right? Some of the hardest things to to teach are your want to and, and your decision-making feel for the game type stuff. Um, and so he's going to be a really interesting case to see that. Um, I hope, you know, defensively is an area where he will buy in because he has some possessions this last year. It was like, oh, my God, um, just with his foot speed, his size, his length. Um, I mean, he could be like a three position defender in the NBA if if he ever, you know, is, is in a situation where every possession matters. And and that's the that's the question. Is it more because he's never really been in this winning situation? He has this chance to if he is in a winning situation, really strap up. Or is it because He's never been in a winning situation. He's never had these habits. He's never going to have those habits. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see, you know, how that evolves for him. Yeah, and like back in the Wiggins days, everyone was like, well, at least at a minimum, he's going to be this really good defender because of his physical tools, and that obviously didn't end up happening. Um, you mentioned that you feel like Edwards has like a, a lot of shift. Can you elaborate on that? You think he's he gets good separation? You like his his quickness and speed? I do. Um, I really do. And, you know, I've used these metrics before and you don't want to put too much value in the sports science stuff. But just talking to the P3 guys out in Santa Barbara, I mean, they were blown away at his shiftiness, like his ability to stop and start um, one accelerate. The force he generates when he accelerates is is more stronger, whatever you want to call it, than any player they've ever tested at his position. Um, and then his ability to decelerate as well, which we've seen used with Luka and with, with Harden and those guys, is like in the 99th percentile. And that's all with having, like not being in peak shape and not having great mechanics. Um, so I think you see it most when he gets to his jump shot, um, you know, just his footwork, like with some of the step backs, his ability to rise up, you know, and, and kind of stop on a dime against anybody is probably where you see it most. He needs to do a better job of figuring out how to use those physical gifts to get all the way to the rim. Like there's no reason why a guy like that should average four free throw attempts per game. You know, like he should have been six, seven living at the line. And, and I think he just, he lets guys off the hook. Um, he's been playing a losing brand of basketball for most of his career. So, um, you know, you, you hope that some of those habits can change on a more spaced NBA floor once he realizes like, man, I'm one of the better athletes in this league, um, that he's a little bit more determined to get to the rim. But, you know, I, I also think we need to point out that like this dude was not playing with stars, you know, I mean, the, the, the yeah. talent level on that team was not great. Um, and so, you know, I do think we have to keep that into account and take that into account. And it's just funny to me because some of these guys were like, oh, no motor, whatever. And then we talk about Ball, who, who doesn't really defend or, or hasn't really won or doesn't play with much energy on that end of the floor. But like we almost breeze past it. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, it's important to hold all these guys accountable to, to some of their flaws. So here's why I, I the difference that I see with Ball and why I'm so worried about Edwards. <clears throat> I struggle to recall the player who you would say didn't have great field. Maybe DeRozan is probably the best example of this. Maybe Russell Westbrook would be the other one. But as a guy who you would say he probably doesn't have good feel right now, right? I mean, I, I think is, is that a controversial statement, Anthony Edwards? <laughs> Yeah, I would say he takes really bad shots, and I would say he shows you flashes of passing instincts 
that most players in his mold generally haven't had. So like, and it's mostly in transition. Um, It's mostly in the open court and he can do it with either hand at times. That's what gives me a little bit of hope. Um, But I I do think there's a difference between having passing instincts and knowing time and score in the situation. So yeah, I think your, your point is accurate. Yeah. And so I just, I, I can't recall guys who became big stars on the perimeter who had a knock on them coming out of school that this guy doesn't have amazing feel. Um, and well, the guy, maybe, maybe, yeah, the guy that comes to mind is Donovan Mitchell, to be honest. Um, yeah, Donovan Mitchell did not have good feel. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was sped up. He was wild. He would take wild shots. He was pretty erratic. He was a streaky perimeter shooter. Um, he was not, he really was not a, efficient offensive player i mean he was 46 percent from two his three-point percentage w- was much better um but i mean he t- shot 25 percent from three as a freshman um and he was never really like a feel guy he w- people saw him as like a microwave score now the difference is like i mentioned earlier he's like an all-world worker you know like right. attention to detail all that stuff um and i think that those are areas where ant-man's still improving but yeah it, it's there's there's not a long list of those guys so you mentioned him not being in peak shape and sorry to spend so much time on him but he's he's the most enigmatic prospect to me that yes I'm, i've struggled with the most too so I, this is useful for me you mentioned he's not in peak shape uh you know your mock draft today espn's mock draft mentioned an underwhelming first viewing for edwards with the warriors there were negative reviews of his pro day which i mean that's supposed to be putting him in like the optimal position to succeed and not looking good there it isn't it, isn't uh something that you're gonna be too happy about so what's the story with that is it i mean like how has he been overwhelming and how much what do you make of it yeah so i will say i was at the pro day um and i was kind of running around trying to wrangle guys up uh for for interviews and stuff like that i probably caught half of it to be honest i was on the broadcast but i went back and watched it and you know there were some nba executives who definitely who weren't there who said, hey, like this this kid looks a little bit out of shape. He looks a little bit winded. The shot looks streaky. But what I watched was, okay, going from Tyrese Maxey, who I really like, to him, I, I left there like this kid's talent is a joke. I'm like, this kid is so effortless with the way that he shoots the ball. He's so effortless with the way that he puts his head on the rim at being 230 pounds and a little bit out of shape. I, I Me personally – like I know other people had a different view, but I didn't see it that way at all. Uh, for me, I was like, oh my God, this kid has a lot of areas to improve, but his talent is a joke. And, and so maybe that's just me being more of an optimist in, in general. Um, but I, I, I didn't I didn't leave there like, oh man, like this is this is rough. And I think anyone who tells you, any executives or scouts who tells you that they put any value in, in a in a pro day setting is I, I just don't buy that, you know. Um, but in terms of the workouts for the teams, I wasn't there. I, I don't I don't know what it looked like. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if, if there were times when he doesn't look great in a workout just because he's very hit or miss. Like he's we saw it all year. You know, it was the six point no show game against Dayton, followed by the 37 point outburst, which yeah. mostly came after they were getting blown out. Um, so there is this level of like turn it on, turn it off that I could see why he would have one workout with a team where he looked like an all-star and then another where it's like, this dude's out of shape. He's walking around. He doesn't care. Um, so that's just kind of Anthony Edwards at this point. You know, he's, he's very, very hot and cold. 
Thanks again for listening. A reminder that the rest of my conversation with Mike, always an amazing conversation with him, maybe the best draft expert out there, where we talk about the rest of the top 10, some of his sleepers, some of our disagreements on those players in the top 10. That's available exclusively on Dunked On Prime, dunkedon.supportingcast.fm, or the link is in the show notes as well. Hope to see you there. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.